which one should we just launch into as like we can't think of a topic? Should it just be Justice League? Like that'll be our joke. Like oh, I don't know what to talk about. Let's talk about a superhero sci-fi film. <laughs> That's always our default. Okay, listen. I think the approach to Justice oh. League is the same as what we did with Wonder Woman, right? And and that was one of our most popular podcasts. Yes. So, you know, nobody's going to care about the Justice League movie uh, 10 years from now. They barely care about it now. But the characters are a part of our culture. And it's important to discuss why this... Why is this not succeeding on the level yeah. that the Avengers succeeded? Right. Exactly, because everybody loves those, so it'll be also a chance for us to talk about Marvel movies, which we know a lot of people are interested in. So, oh. uh, hey, you know, this is the Review podcast. podcast, and this is going to be about the DC movies, and we, we know a lot of folks, certainly of uh, my generation, the Gen X uh, folks, uh, parents taking their kids to all the Marvel movies, they don't really know which characters belong in which universe. I literally had a co-worker about a year ago ask me to write out on a little card... Which movies were Marvel movies that fit together, and which movies were DC Comics movies that fit together? And uh, it's important to remember that also these characters are owned by two massive conglomerates, you know, much larger than themselves. Warner Brothers controls all the DC characters, yep. and Disney controls all the Marvel characters. So you're not only looking at two different competing schools of thought in terms of how to tell these stories and how to control these characters, but also how to market this stuff, yep. how do you present them to the world, how do you keep the myths alive? I think what really worked with our Wonder Woman podcast is we were talking about not just the film, but the way that that story and narrative has been carried down. I think that's where we excel, is we can contextualize this stuff rather than just be fanboys. So it's important for us to contextualize Justice League. Right, and we'll get to that in a second, but I'd like to start with the Marvel stuff because... Oh. That's our compare and contrast. The Marvel stuff right now, white hot. They're making gobs of money. Everybody rushes to see the next Marvel movie, even if they don't quite understand you know, what the heck the Infinity Stones are. But they know that they're going to be entertained. They know that the story's going to hold together. It's going to have very good production values. At this point, it's attracting a lot of major league acting talent. And they keep succeeding. You and I keep predicting, oh, you know, Ant-Man, that'll be the first failure. No. Nope. We they... keep, keep getting it wrong. <laughs> I so... remember, I have to own up. And I think we talked about this in the Guardians podcast, but I projected the first Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be a flop. Right, right. No, who cares about the Guardians? But they found a way to make Star Wars fit Marvel, and that's why it succeeded. So my question is, although they're white hot now, and everybody, you know, if you want to know what's going on around the water cooler or at your high school, you would need to watch the movies. But 10 or 20 or 50 years from now, which Marvel movie are people going to have to watch? You know, these are now, you know, something that are, they're important in our culture. Mm -hmm. But is there an individual movie? I mean, you're not going to make somebody 20 years from now, like your children, are you going to make them watch every single Marvel movie? Probably not. I think it depends on how engaged they are with the first few. Like, I think... Like, if you had to pick one or two, which, what... Well, you show them, it, 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 that to me is, is a non-starter question, because it's, you show them the first Iron Man. It's the template every single one of these other films have followed. That's it's true. It's the tone that's been set. Yep. Every single building block of what makes Marvel successful, you can find in John Favreau's 2008 Iron Man. That's true. 2008 had two major superhero success stories, and this is where we get back to the compare and contrast. 2008 also saw the release of The Dark Knight, mm. which smashed box office records. Yeah. It brought Batman further into the mainstream than he already was. Mm. It was a massive success. There was Oscar buzz. 
It made so much money. DC was rolling in it. And Marvel brings out one of their B, maybe even C-list heroes in terms of public awareness. That's true. You know, uh, Robert Downey uh, had an interview before the movie came out that I read very carefully where he was kind of amazed. And, and people forget that his career was pretty dead at that mm-hmm. point. He had had his drug problems. People knew who he was, but he hadn't had a hit in a long time. He was just kind of these washed, one of these washed-up uh, 80s kid actors, right? Yeah. And yet, in this interview before the movie came out, he talked about how, like, in between scenes and, and just being on set, all these businessmen would come up to him and just be like, I can't believe they're making an Iron Man movie. This is so cool. And he had no clue, really, the hold that that character had for a certain population. Even he didn't know what, you know, Tony Stark was. Yep. And Tony Stark, propelled by his charisma as as Robert Downey Jr., suddenly everyone knows who Iron Man is. They took somebody who was, you know, a, a really just not a huge part of the public consciousness and made him A list. Yeah. And that's where I think Marvel's success story, in 50 years, that's what we'll need to talk about. So we'll talk about Iron Man. Yeah, because, well, DC, their failure is they can't elevate their B and C list heroes. That's true. So is that the answer to why Iron Man leads to literally dozens of movies? Yep. And the Batman, as successful as it was, really has become a dead end. It doesn't lead anywhere. That's still just solidifying a relationship you've already seen on screen. Oh, look, it's Batman and the Joker. Right. There's never any effort to try and expand out to, you know, Batgirl or Robin or with any of these big budget stuff. I mean, they tried back in, like, the Schumacher days in the 90s. Mm. But no one's ever tried to expand or elevate these DC characters until... Well, they did just in the last couple of years. Yeah, but, but but it becomes a last-minute scramble for them. Yeah, They're not doing late. it organically. It's too late, yeah. You know, each one of these characters gets to stand either as part of an ensemble and provide a vital role there, or they have a solo movie that has a modest budget that they film, it does well, and you get to elevate it. You know, Thor is not necessarily something that people would jump at. No. But they made the first Thor for a reasonable budget. They made it funny. They put in Natalie Portman to attract mm-hmm. elements of an audience who would not normally come to a superhero movie. Correct. Yeah, they, no, I think there are lots of people going to these Marvel movies now who never read the comics. Ever. And that's totally cool. We are not like purists here, people. Like right. if you want to just enjoy the movies, go for it. Great. You know, we we love comics. We've got tons of recommendations. If you like the Marvel and DC movies and you want to go read some comics, we've got recommendations. Yeah. But I know plenty of people of my generation who don't really care about comics, but they love these Marvel films. They really them. love them. I mean, yeah. quite quite fanboys of yeah. them. Yeah. It's not a casual thing. And I don't think that's that's invalid or wrong. So let me answer my own question and yeah. then you can uh, either, you know, shape that, react to it and then we can go back to the DC stuff which is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. But in the Marvel side, you know, the Iron Man side, I would say, I'd show three movies. Oh, if my grandkids, Well, I... You expanded the list of three. You could have three. I could have one. Well, I think (laughs) the universe is expanding uh, so rapidly that I think you would show them the first Iron Man. I agree on that. I would show them the first Captain America. God bless. And then I would show them the first Avengers, and that's it. We would stop at that. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. I think that first Avengers is everything that if if the Marvel Universe had ended there, that's yeah. a perfectly good culmination of what they had done, what yeah. they had set out to do, and it was still something no one else had ever done. Note what's not on there. 
none of the none of the Spider-Man movies of any iteration, although I like them. Uh, That's not, harsh, bro. <laughs> well, so what's your counter? If you get three movies, what do you show? Wait, wait, wait. So hold on. We're 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 already getting confused here. The Spider-Man movies prior to twenty seventeen were all made by Sony, even I though they know. were owned by Marvel. Okay. No, but they're Marvel characters. So Oh, so just Marvel characters. Okay, so that's the Marvel expand. Universe. They they are in the Marvel Universe, dude. Okay. <laughs> whatever. No, I think my list is is it's the same. It's list. the same as yours. Like I love that first <laughs> Captain America movie, and I can't give up the Avengers, and I can't not include the first Iron Man because that's yeah. where it all begins. Yeah, no. nothing, nothing. Bumps um, that. not even our beloved Daredevil. No, no. Oh my God, I love that movie, but I don't think like I don't think I could ever make my children sit through that movie. Whoa! They're gonna be like, they're gonna be like Daddy, why do you like a movie that has Nickelback in it? And I'll be like, Shut up, son. <laughs> no, what they'll say is. Daddy, are you going over to Grandpa Bentley's house again to watch Daredevil? Yeah! <laughs> but you're the only two people who ever watch it. <laughs> ever. Here's, well, the uh, no, fourth place, and then we have to end this discussion, <laughs> because we're getting off track again. Fourth place is Spider-Man 2. I think Spider-Man 2 pulls oh, really well. Oh, I do love their Doc Ock. Dude, oh, man. he is the best. I will stand by this. Yeah. I will put my hand on the Bible and swear to this. He is the best comic book villain yeah. ever depicted. In the movies. Yes. Yeah, Alfred Molina. Alfred let's, Molina let's as Dr. Octavius is absolutely the man yeah. to beat. Yeah, we love that. No one else has done it. Better people are like, oh, I love Jack Nicholson as Joker. Oh, I love Heath Ledger as the Joker. No, no, no. no, no. You Alfred Molina is doing something much more difficult, which is making you not only sympathize, yeah. but truly understand. He, yeah. Oh, yeah. His arc is very clear. He doesn't over or underplay it. He is right there. Every beat is perfect. You believe every choice he makes. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, in that case, you know, we would also say that it's true to the comics, right? I mean, one of the reasons why the Marvel universe is doing so well, from our viewpoint, because we've read the source material, is they're being faithful to the source material. So, you know, in the comic books, Doc Ock, at one point, you know, he's marrying Aunt May. You know, they they play with that character, especially when I was growing up in the 70s. You know, he is known to Peter. He does portray himself as, you know, a normal good guy, you know, like a scientist, right? Yeah. He He's not Doctor Doom yeah. somewhere, right? He's not Darth Vader, who's clearly... A threat every yeah. time he shows up because of the way he looks. You know, well, we they... should save that for. Uh, we should go back and review the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. We okay. are getting off. We're we getting off that. track. Yeah, yeah. But now we have to take it back to DC. Why does it not work for DC, or what are they doing wrong? And why has that culminated in Justice League, which, by the numbers, just so that everyone's informed, Justice League cost three hundred million dollars to make. It was filmed almost two times fully for reshoots. Because they wanted to change the tone. The original director, Zack Snyder, had to step out due to a personal tragedy. Uh, Joss Whedon had to come in and replace him and rewrite sections of the script. This is a massive undertaking that DC has basically rushed into theaters. They were still rolling film as recently as this summer. Hmm. They have not gotten a lot of post-production time on this film. Hmm. And they have rushed it into theaters, promoted it as best they could, and right now... About a month after the movie came out, they've only hit $200 million domestically. And that is a failure. Yeah. 
And there's no real buzz about it. I mean, I'm not no. on social media much these days. The only it? thing people are talking about on social media is how silly Henry Cavill's photoshopped upper lip looks like. <laughs> yeah, I really thought that his stuff was actually dubbed because that CGI was so noticeable and bad. But anyway, so we did see Justice League, obviously. And uh, and you guys uh, know from our earlier podcast, we loved Wonder Woman. And, I love Wonder Woman. You know, I like... Uh, ben Affleck as Batman. He's portraying a version of Batman that was set into the comics uh, right as I was going from high school to college in what was called The Dark Knight Returns. And I've been waiting for that version of Batman to show up in the movies for 35 years. And Affleck is that version of Batman. He's older Batman, right? And he gets all the best lines of the film. I mean, they just feed him grade A material. And, and Affleck is actually a good actor. You yeah. know, we're going to defend him. That's one reason why we like that Marvel Daredevil that everybody else makes fun of. Yeah. And yet, they can't make this thing fly. It's it's this beautiful construction, and it's got some good pieces. Um, and well, I came out of it feeling like, okay, I liked it as somebody who was always a fan of the DC characters, always liked Batman. You know, I love the Wonder Woman. And yet, I came out of that theater when we saw it uh, two weeks ago just saying, you know, it's done. If I were in charge of making movies of the DC characters, I would say, you stop production on everything else that you're doing to try and catch Marvel, make some Wonder Woman movies, and let this all just sort of cool down until you guys can get it right. Because I think the production mess has really affected what we see on the screen. Yeah, no, I I think this is one of those films... That's important for just about anyone who wants to get into the film industry to watch. I told my friend really? Christine, who Why? who wants to be a producer someday, because this is a direct link between craziness behind the scenes and what you see oh. on film. Plenty of films have really troubled production histories, yeah. but then make it to the finish line and are hailed as works of genius. Uh, Gone with the Wind, for yeah. one. Gone with the Wind had three different directors, folks. Yeah. Why does Gone with the Wind work and Justice League doesn't? And I think it's just because we've reached this age, and my father and I discuss this constantly, where a movie is either, you know, a budget of $1 million, made in someone's basement or attic, take your pick, and shows in like three theaters and turns a tight little profit just like that. It's a little Oscar showcase. Yeah. Or they have to have a budget of $300 million. They have to be lights and sounds and colors and big explosions and... It just doesn't leave any room for character, for yeah. details, for it's, writing, yeah, which is big. what's the most important thing. Yeah. And these characters are not clear. They In Justice League, here's the difference between something like Avengers and Justice League. Avengers doesn't actually introduce, like as I go back in my mind, there's not a single character introduced in Avengers. Every single In the character, first Avengers? Yes. Even Black mm. Widow appeared in Iron Man 2. And not just for a few scenes, she's a part of that movie. That's true, yeah. Uh, Coulson is in all of the preceding Marvel movies. This is a new version of Bruce Banner, but we've seen the Hulk prior to this. Yeah, yeah, a couple movies, yeah. And DC, in one movie, wants to introduce The Flash, who's never had a big screen movie before. Correct. That's really difficult to do. It's really hard to get people to buy into The Flash, especially in a universe where Superman exists. Right. Um, Aquaman is brand new. Aquaman is brand new. Cyborg is brand new. Cyborg is brand new. And it's even more damaging because they don't even build off my generation's love for Cyborg, which comes from the cartoon. They make Cyborg really a a tortured soul, someone who's basically dealing with a a prosthesis. Right. 
versus the cartoon where he would have elements and there were great episodes where he grappled with his status as a cyborg, as someone who's not entirely human. But my generation really knows cyborg as the life of the party. Booyah! You know, firing the sonic cannon and he's always having like pizza eating competitions with Beast Boy. And then you watch him in this movie and he's like actively using his powers to shut off street lights and he's got a hoodie over he's dark. his head. Yeah, he's very he's dark. really dark. Well, so that's what most people would say about the DC uh, movies, uh, that they have sort of, they've gotten so dark, again, I think, because of the Nolan Batman trilogy that was doing so well at the box office, but they, somebody decided that they were going to make all the DC movies that dark, and that's not really where you want to go with Superman and Wonder Woman and The Flash. You know, the DC characters, for the last 80 years, have generally been lighter, they've been more heroic... Uh, less problematic than the Marvel characters, right? This this debate between the way you show super-powered people has been going on for my entire life, since the early 60s. We've had Marvel showing heroes with flaws, and DC showing heroes uh, on kind of a higher plane. Yeah. And now that's kind of flipped in the tone of the movies, right? Where the Marvel movies are generally seen as a very funny... Uh, light on their toes, and and we we've dragged Superman down into this really dark mess where, you know, in their reboot solo movie of Superman, they literally show him, you know, letting children on a school bus get flooded, and I can't go there. That's yeah. ridiculous. Superman spends the vast majority of that first Man of Steel movie not being Superman, actively yeah. avoiding his destiny. <laughs> and what I love about Superman, and what I think Justice League tries to course correct here. I have always believed that if Superman didn't have superpowers, he'd still be a good person. Yes. I think Clark Kent would still rush in and try and help people because that's who he is. Which is the characterization from that comic book I just mentioned, Dark Knight Returns, done by Frank Miller, that was landmark. That was the story where you had a creator, Frank Miller, say the true persona of Superman Clark Kent. He's really Clark Kent... And he dresses up as Superman. Whereas the true persona of Batman is, he's really Batman, and he dresses up as Bruce Wayne. Yes. Right? See the flip? And that's what, what they do. I mean, that's why Batman works so well in this film, and why he, I think, has been... He and Wonder Woman, I think, are the two things I would try and save and salvage from this DC universe. Yeah. Is because, you know, Affleck is just so good at playing... This weathered Batman who's beat up, who's hurt, who has scars crisscrossing his body. Yeah. He has one of the best lines in the film is just this short little remark. He gets thrown into a car by another character, and he's just trying to sit up. And he just goes, oh, something's bleeding. <laughs> something's bleeding. <laughs> like, he doesn't even know what. He's so tired. He's just yeah. like, oh, something's bleeding. He doesn't know what. And, and isn't it Wonder Woman, or is it Alfred, who says to him at one point, like, you know, pretty soon you're going to be too old to be doing this. And he goes, I'm too old to be doing this now like, yeah. and he's he's like he's such a rare batman because he's like drinking and stuff and yeah. like he's oh, very yeah. there's one of my favorite scenes so here's us not dumping on justice league because it does have good moments that are perfectly yeah. good serviceable moments that are great character beats there are these disposable cgi stupid things called parademons that are just there for the justice league to fight and beat up because you've got to have these disposable enemies that the justice league can use their powers on without having to hold back and do your fun action set. We pieces. have a lot of computer artists to employ in Hollywood, okay? Yes, we do. We do. We truly do. And Taiwan. <laughs> um, but 
So these parademons, they're called, you know, Wonder Woman's taking out like 20 of them and Flash is going by at super speed and punching a bunch of them and Cyborg's like hacking all this stuff and they're doing all this great stuff. And Batman is trying to fight one of them and getting the crap kicked out of him. <laughs> He's being tossed across a room. The guy's smacking him around with his backhand. And, like, <laughs> he just, he barely beats one. And he looks up and there's this brilliant character beat of him just seeing all the other chaos of all the other heroes fighting off, like, 20 of these things apiece. And he just goes... <laughs> like he's really tired. Yeah, yeah, Please, yeah. Bruce just needs a nap. Please, just let Bruce have a nap. Wait, wait okay. I want to make something really clear. I... Aquaman sucks. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, I walked out of Justice League as a fan of these characters. I even liked Aquaman. You know the way they portrayed him here is all dark. Yeah, it's uh, dark Aquaman. Dark Aquaman. I'm like, you know what? I, it was fine. I. Am able to enjoy a lot of the DC movies, well, except for Green Lantern, uh, because I like the characters. It's just that what we're trying to talk about in this podcast is the overarching treatment, right? And they've just gone further and further down this dark road, and I think that's why they're failing, yeah. as opposed to the Marvel stuff. So even though I, as a really dedicated fan of these characters, can walk out and go, okay, you know what? I didn't regret spending my money on that. It's time to stop. They really need to stop and let these characters rest, other than Wonder Woman. And if they got Bruce, old Bruce Wayne, into the next Wonder Woman, that would make me very happy as well. I I just don't think that that people want to go and see a Watchmen esque take on the DC oh, universe. I, that's true. I hated Watchmen too. And Ugh. and it's this these. I don't want to see Superman drag through the mud. I don't yeah. want to see yeah. a, a dour and sad <laughs> cyborg. I I want to see. You know. Folks, you're talking, you're listening to the two people who actually liked the Superman that they tried to reboot in the late 90s? When was that? No, Superman no, 2007, Returns. 2007, dude. 2007 was Superman Returns? Yeah, Hoss. No way. It's like 2006, 2007, dude. I really like liked that because it was an homage to Christopher Reeve's run on Superman. And I thought it was really light on its feet. I thought it was very well done. Well, and like, it's so clear that Marvel, I'm sorry, DC is like embarrassed by superman on some level they're like oh he's hokey saving cats out of trees and like no one would buy that now it's very clear that that's their mentality Mm -hmm. you know they want to make him dark and nuanced and have all this jesus allegory and stuff you know there's a reason superman becomes superman when he's 33 in man of steel they specifically Mm -hmm. note his age (laughs) and i think it's just for the money i think it's just because batman makes so much money and these idiots in hollywood think that all the dc characters need to be that dark and it's quite clear that that's not what works what people actually want to see is not a dark batman or and a dark superman and a moderately dark wonder woman interacting what works in the avengers is all of those characters bring their different viewpoints they all feel like individual people whereas Sometimes in the in the DC universe, it feels like these are just palette swaps of each other. Yeah, these mm-hmm. are all dark heroes who have something tortured in their past, and they all feel mm-hmm. like they're all going to die. And will we make any difference? And blah 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 blah. It's it's borderline nihilism. Yeah, yeah, it's no. Good. And it's I you know Captain America in the Marvel movies never doubts that he's making a difference. Mm-hmm. The only thing he ever like, and he's allowed to have moral quandaries. They do have that, especially in stuff like Civil War and Winter Soldier. But it's always about him taking action. Okay, there's the difference. Okay, I just stumbled upon it. Ah. Superman's debate in Man of Steel is, do I take action? Do I use my powers? <laughs> Which, in the source material, Superman never has that problem. Superman is a superhero by 16. Yeah. He's running around Smallville. You guys watch Smallville? Everyone loves Smallville. Yeah, because he takes action. He takes action. Captain America 
Iron Man, none of them are ever debating, do I take action? They're debating what action to take. That's the difference. Yeah. Active heroes versus passive heroes. Heroes that let things happen to them and force them into action. Mm. You know, stuff that brings Batman out of retirement, that brings Wonder Woman back to man's world, that yeah. makes Superman become superhero. These all feel like burdens forced upon them. Yeah. I think Captain America wants to be Captain America and help other people. He wants to punch Nazis. He wants to punch Nazis. <laughs> and he's just debating which Nazis to punch today. <laughs> and that's awesome. Like, none of them, like, even even Hulk. Even Hulk. Bruce Banner has no problem going on the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarry in Avengers and helping them out. He has to be convinced, but once he's there, he's there. Because even though if he's not going to... He doesn't want to be the Hulk, obviously, but he does want to help. Mm. These people want to help. They don't struggle with, should I help? Yeah. They struggle with the best way to help. That's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. So it is interesting that we've reached this point where, you know, superheroes are a form of our artistic canon uh, that were looked down upon for a long time because they were considered simplistic characters. And when you watch a movie or read a novel or see a play that's just based on human terms, right, just regular everyday people interacting, you want a story that has conflict and has different characters, right? You don't want uh, to watch a movie where everybody seems the same. Mm -hmm. So comic books were a way to uh, make that concrete, right? For younger readers, it's true. So like you would have, you know, the hot-headed guy, you know, in the <laughs> Fantastic Four has literally got heat powers, right? He literally turns on into flame. And, uh, you know, the cerebral guy is is able to stretch his mind, you know. All of this stuff was made very concrete, very open. It was personified. These in their are not powers. difficult metaphors. These are not difficult metaphors, people. And so the fact that we've now hit 2017 and one of the major comic book companies can't figure that out and is just sort of doing this palette across all of their characters instead of making them different. Are you kidding me? I what a huge waste. It's just a waste. And it I think your advice to DC was, you know, if you were in charge of DC, you want to just put this huge pause on everything, just make Wonder Woman movies, and then find a way to subtly, you know, ease it back in, into something else, or start building towards something else, mm -hmm. maybe, mm -hmm. in a couple of years. Yes. Problem, they can't do that. As I told you a little bit earlier, Aquaman is filmed. Aquaman, <laughs> the shooting of Aquaman as a solo movie is in the can. It's finished. Put it on Netflix. <laughs> Just put it on Netflix Wonder and be Woman done. Wonder Woman is set to begin filming next year. Yes, the, we want that. The, I know, but I'm telling you, it the ball is rolling. But they've I, let Affleck go as Batman. Yeah, yeah. Ben's gone. That's uh, that's not a good thing. So, <laughs> something's bleeding. Something's missing. Um, you know, they're going to have the guy who did the Planet of the Apes trilogy recently do another Batman movie. And oh. it's just like... I'm I loved Batman growing up and I'm getting sick of this. Yes, it's too much Batman. Uh, it's almost oh. too much. It's almost as much Batman as there is Spider-Man. <laughs> okay, now wait a minute. So let's stop right there and ask the tough question. If you accept my behind the scenes strategy, which is you can everything except Wonder Woman in 5 years, what's the DC movie that you start with to try and reboot all this? Which character? What do you do? Uh, if I'm DC, yeah, I say five, five uh, years from now, Superman. You, you get really uh, you get a young guy as Superman because Henry Cavill's like in his like 
mid to late 30s. Yeah. I want, like, a young 20-something Superman. I want farm boy goes to the big city. But we've seen that. Dude, or no origin story. Or just early 20 Superman, he just starts the opening credits, which are, I know you hate, but it would be a three-minute opening credit <laughs> montage of this is Superman's origins. For all of you five people out there who don't know, here it is. Like, you know how in the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and, like, Spider-Man 2, they had that great comic book art done by Alex Ross that just flashed across, like, okay, if you missed the last movie... Here's literally slides yeah. as we're showing you the open right. credits of what right. happened previously. It should just be that. Here's the exploding planet. Here's the rocket to Earth. Strange visitor from another world. Krypton! Yeah, yeah. Three minutes into the film, origin is done, and then you should just have him fighting Lex Luthor or Doomsday or something. But change the tone. Make it... All mm. the marketing should be hopeful and happy, and, and it should be... This is... And, and not necessarily a comedy, but this is... You know, market it like they marketed the first Captain America. I just want them to make the first Captain America with <laughs> Superman, okay? Like, I just, I really want that. And then I think, because in the DC Universe, and this is the point I'll end on because I realize I'm becoming maniac. Um, in the DC Universe, in the fictional universe of the DC Universe, in the comics, they have always said that Superman is who inspires these other people to come out of the shadows and start wearing costumes. Batman kind of exists. He's in Gotham, but he's an urban legend. No one's really taken a picture of him. He doesn't have all the super-powered supervillains yet. He's busting up crime families. And maybe there's a guy called the Joker who's poisoned the water reservoir. Maybe. But from there, once Superman appears on the scene, early 20s, everyone should come out of the woodwork and just have Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman anyway. Again, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> wrong no, answer. No, it's not the wrong, wrong answer. Wrong answer. No. Wrong answer. The right answer is... Hawkman! No, go to hell. No, Hawkman uh, sucks. Plastic Man! Actually, I mean, I, I'd be in for a Plastic Man. <laughs> I love Plastic Man. Martian Manhunter! Oh, we'll God. reboot with Martian Manhunter, John Jones. <laughs> Just paint the rock green. We'll start with Sergeant Rock. That's a great idea. Oh, God, dude, what if you did? Oh, my God. No, no, no. Just paint The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, green as the Martian Manhunter. <laughs> if that you was... smell what the Manhunter is cooking. Well, wait a minute. Are we still getting the Shazam movie? Yes, they're, they, they're still casting. They just made another casting announcement yesterday. Okay, well, if it's I It's too get, late to stop the train. If I get my Captain Marvel movie from DC... With The Rock as Black Adam... Okay, I'm in. I'm fine. That's Forget everything I just said. Said in the last 30 minutes. Like, I just want to I hear, want Shazam! I want to hear The Rock say the word Kondak or whatever. What's the stupid country that Black Adam is the ruler of? Oh, Kondak? Who cares? I, I rule Kondak. I rule Kondak. <laughs> like, doesn't he say that in his Jumanji reboot? He already says that phrase, doesn't God, he? He's in two stop. jungle movies the right Rock now. The Rock needs to actually stop making movies. <laughs> It's okay. time to stop. That's a Rock. different podcast anyway. of, if you had to share, like, if I had to show my grandchildren one Dwayne Johnson movie, what would that be? I'd show them the episode of Raw where Dwayne Johnson hits... No, no, wrong answer. Wrong. Nick Foley in the head with and a chair 12 wrong. times. No, no, that's a different <laughs> okay. podcast. All right, thank you for listening if you made it this far. I'm Bentley. And I'm Samuel. And this is the Re... View... Podcast. podcast.